Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Ladies, welcome to session one of Hearts at Rest. I hope that you have your book in front of you, and you'll notice that at the top, this session is called Realize, What is Anxiety? I want to introduce myself again in case we didn't meet during the introduction. That's still available on the website, entourageministries.com, if you need to go back and get some context before we move forward. My name's Paige. I'm going to be one of your session facilitators, and I'm the co-author of this material. Let's get started as we will start all of our sessions in prayer, um, and, and I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that you feel comfort, that you feel peace, and that you feel no condemnation about Maybe you haven't done your work. Maybe you have done your work. No matter where you find yourself coming into this, I want you to be comfortable. So get comfortable, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you for the woman on the other side of this screen. I thank you that she has made time to pursue you, to pursue a promise of peace from you, to bring a burden, a worry, a care before you. And your word says, God, that when we seek you, we find you. So we stand on that as we go into this conversation today. I pray that it would be full of, full of grace, full of freedom, and seasoned with the salt that you've called us to be seasoned with, Lord. In your name, amen. All right, so before we hop into the material, I was thinking about a story that happened just a few years ago. My mom and I were traveling to New York. I love Manhattan, and we generally fly into LaGuardia from the Dallas airport that we fly out of. So the weather was fine when we left Dallas, and by the time we got to LaGuardia, there was actually quite a blizzard that had set in in the area. Now, because my mom and I have a propensity to run late, to be laid back, and because Southwest is a self-boarding plane where you don't have ticketed seats, we were separated on the flight because we were the last two to board. So I was sitting next to a woman who had fallen asleep quickly during the flight, and she had no idea what was going on. My mom was somewhere else on the plane, and about three hours into the flight, which would be the arriving time at LaGuardia, this blizzard has become so prevalent that the pilot is just circling circling around the airport, wanting to land, trying to land, but not able to see or to have a, a clear from the FAA to land. And so we keep making these circles above, above the airport, and eventually the pilot says, you know what, we're almost out of fuel, so I think we're going to have to hop over uh, to one of the neighboring states. I don't even remember exactly where we, where we landed. It may have been Boston, actually. Um, and so, so anyway, we, we redirected and we ended up in another state, in another city, in another airport altogether. And so as we were coming down to land, I thought, what do I do in this moment? Do I wake the woman up next to me that I don't know to let her know, just wanted to let you know, we are not at LaGuardia, we are not in New York, there was a blizzard, we are somewhere totally different than where you thought we were going to be, 
Or do I just wait and let her be surprised as, as the stewardess announces the information over the phone? And so, like every other passenger on the plane, I've got my phone out because we've landed this time. My seat neighbor is waking up, and I'm thinking, what are alternate, alternative routes of transportation? I want to get back to New York. This is where I want, want to be vacationing. And so this woman finds out, hey, we're in another state, another city. We are not where we thought we were, and, and she is a bit a bit surprised. And it's kind of a funny story, kind of a, a tragic story. It, did, it ended up being a great trip because we got to take this awesome train and, and see different states as we made our way back to the place we were supposed to be all along. But as I think about that story, I think about how in life that happens sometimes. And maybe even for you, if you find yourself participating in this anxiety study called Hearts at Rest, that maybe you are like the woman that got on the plane and you were headed to go somewhere, something out of your control happened like a blizzard, and then you find yourself somewhere that you had no idea that you would ever be. And so we're faced with this decision, where do we go? Do we stay in this place that was not our destination? Do we reroute? Is it safe to reroute? What do we do? And so as we are kind of like the airplane that is circling around um, this blizzard, uh, we'll call the blizzard anxiety, I want us to think about the destination of where we are going and that we are not going to give up on as being peace. So as Covey would say, we're going to begin with the end in mind. I want to remind you that's the outcome that we're pursuing. And it's not in our strength, but it's in a promise from the Lord. So as we dive in to talking more about anxiety or the blizzard, so to speak, I don't want us to lose the vision of the destination. And that destination is peace. And it is the promise and the fruit and the person of peace. So I just want to share two brief scriptures with you. And then we'll hop into the content that's in your workbook. If you've already read your material, fantastic. I loved going to school with people like you. If you've not read your material, then we could probably be good friends, but we would probably never show up anywhere at the right place in the right time. But no matter where you find yourself today, you're welcomed here, and we are going to be journeying together. So John 14, Jesus is at the end of his ministry on earth, and he is speaking to his disciples and to his closest friends. And they have been in hardship, and they are about to be in major hardship. And this is what Jesus says in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So I say that just as a reminder so that we can get it into our heart of hearts that peace was God's idea, that it was God's initiation in Christ, and that it is from him to us. And this is in the word where he is telling his people, I'm going to give you my peace no matter what comes up. Don't let your heart be troubled. I want to give you my peace. That's his promise. So I tell my girls sometimes, I have two little girls, and I've got one on the way. If you're looking at the screen thinking, is, the, is she expecting, is she not expecting? I am. So I've got two little girls and a little boy that is in process right now. And I tell my girls when, you're about to hear some, when they're about to hear something true, I say, put your hand on your treasure chest. Open it up and stick that in there uh, because we want to hide that word in our hearts. So I want you to hide that in there. 
that promise of peace from the Lord, that reminder of, of peace being our destination. And I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament. If you're new to Bible terms, Old Testament just means before Jesus came, before salvation arrived in Jesus. That's the collection of books and writings that we would describe as the Old Testament. And the thing about whether we're reading in that part of the Bible or whether we're reading in a different part of the Bible, it's simply... um, worth noting that God never changes. So how he responded to one group of people pursuing a promise that he initiated and how he responds to us pursuing a promise that he initiated is not going to change because his character is steadfast. So to summarize, and you can look at this later on your own, this passage is Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to pull from specific verses. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you, but I, I want you, if you don't know the word, be sure to go read it. If you do know the word, be sure to go make sure I'm not making stuff up uh, and just telling you things that aren't true. But God has, has this group of people that he loves dearly, and he has initiated a huge promise for this group of people. And part of that promise is that he is going to take them into a land that is called the promised land. So if you are thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about, if you're like a 90s kid, think back to think back to Prince of Egypt, Moses, the cartoon. This is after all of that happens. When the same group of beloved people were in slavery, in need of a deliverer, in need of an exodus, when they left that those pits of torment that they were in, they were leaving for promise. And so we are so in this parallel journey with them as we walk through this study together. We are when we leave anxiety and we are going to address it. We're going to look at it. We're going to leave it and we're going to walk toward the promise of peace. But in the story that ultimately climaxes in Joshua chapter 6, God's people eventually arrive at the land of promise. Their entry point being this city called Jericho. And so they have this savior warrior named Joshua that's going to take them in to inherit the promise because God's made it available, right? It's there for the taking. But the Lord gives Joshua some peculiar instructions. He says, I want you to to march around the city um, with your, your armed men, and I want you to do it for seven days. And you have to think about how cities were built back then. Uh, there were fortified walls for their protections, for, for boundaries, as strongholds, um, for a lot of different reasons. There were fortified walls that were built around cities. And so the Lord is telling Joshua, there's someone inhabiting your promise. There's someone keeping you from being in your promise. I want you to go in and approach the promise in this very specific way that I'm telling you, which again sounds pretty peculiar. I want you to circle around your promise. I want you to walk around the city and I want you to do it for seven days. On the seventh day, when you hear the sound uh, of this of a trumpet blowing, then I want all the people to shout. And at that time, Every wall is going to fall down, and I want you to go in, and I want you to inhabit the city. I want you to conquer and receive and enjoy and live in the promise. And so what the word also describes is that in addition to these people who are so desperate and so hungry to be in the promise of God, in addition to them walking around the city these multiple times, it says that that there were priests that, that carried their worship instruments and that there was 
was the Ark of the Covenant, which in Old Testament language means that was the presence of God dwelling among them. And there were these people in front of them and behind them, the front guard, the rear guard, that were protecting all of these very carefully laid out details and provisions from the Lord as these people circled around their promise until they finally heard it, until they finally heard that directive, that revelation from the Lord, that it is time to go in. So ladies, as we begin session one, I want you to know that we are circling around the promise. We are going to inhabit the promise of that peace. As we circle, our ears are going to receive clarity from the Holy Spirit as we hear that opportunity to shout that every wall in our lives might come down. Any wall that is standing between us and that promise of peace, it has to come down. It will come down. But we need to be in this process with the Lord as we circle, trusting in him with praise being in his presence so thank you in advance for partnering in this process i believe that god is going to honor your showing up here and i want you to believe that in the same way these people women children men alike inherited a very physical promise as they were obedient to believe and then to step and then to shout and joy as the Lord commanded them, you will find that testimony to be as true for your life as it was for those people in Joshua 6. So with that, let's talk for just a minute about some of those walls called anxiety that may be around this promise of peace that God has, has given us. They're not going to be there for long, but let's give some common language to maybe what, what you commonly, as viewers, are finding yourselves um, stuck on the other side of, it, peace here, walls here, and then, then you're kind of back here. So what is anxiety? There's a lot of different vocabulary uh, resources that we could use to describe that. I'm going to keep it very simple. This is how we define anxiety. Anxiety is an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physical signs, by doubt concerning the reality and nature of the threat, and by self-doubt about one's capacity. I don't love the fruit of that definition, but I do appreciate the scope of that definition because what I've learned about anxiety is that it actually never looks exactly the same in anyone's life. There are certainly common threads um, between, you know, anxiety here, anxiety there, but someone may have an upset stomach from anxiety. Someone may struggle with a breathing disorder from anxiety. Someone may struggle um, with numbness, ringing in their ears, panic attacks, an upset stomach, insomnia, um, sweats. The list could really go on and on. And what I want to say is, is that we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about these symptoms, talking about anxiety in terms of a diagnosis and a, pro a prognosis. We're going to talk about anxiety actually in terms of being a fruit. So if you would hop into that mindset with me, like, did she just say a fruit? I did say 
a fruit. Let's think of anxiety together as a fruit, regardless of where you come into this place, uh, maybe hosting some anxiety in your life. So under define and refine, on the first page of session one, you'll notice that it says anxiety is a fruit, meaning it is produced from a root. So a lot of times, anxiety manifests and then it's there's discomfort involved with that because almost always whenever you are carrying anxiety when you're carrying something you're not meant to carry in the same way if you carried a heavy backpack full of rocks and it would it would have an effect on your back and your posture when you carry something you weren't designed to carry it has an effect and that effect is a fruit. And so um, if we just go to pick apart a fruit, to try to, to put a Band-Aid on anxiety, to try to alleviate a fruit of anxiety without addressing the root from where it's coming from, then that's not going to be uh, that's not going to be right. It's not going to be fair on our end um, to do that to you. So I want you to know when we talk about anxiety around the framework of the definition that I shared, we are always thinking of anxiety as a fruit. It is an effect of something else. It is an effect. It is an offshoot. It is a, um, a, a production from something that you often can't see. We'll call that a root, a wound, a source, and we'll get more into that. So really in these first three sessions, we're going to kind of go below the dirt and do some root work, and then we're going to come up in sessions four through six um, and really dwell in the, the newness of life that is there. So thinking about anxiety as a fruit. Um, if, if you're from church culture, you may have heard of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's in, in Galatians. So if peace is a fruit of the Spirit, we know that our root, our source, is the Holy Spirit. Peace does not manifest on accident or without intention. It comes from a very sure root, and that root is a relationship with the Lord. So in the same way that we are circling around, as I just gave, the destination of peace, the promise of peace, we have to recognize that peace is a fruit. It comes with intention. It comes from precision, from a resting place, in the same way that anxiety comes uh, from a, a resting place or a rooted system. Um, and the next point that I want to make, anxiety is rooted in insecurity. I'm not going to read the content to you because I think that's offensive to do. I'm just going to give you some high points of reflection, and I hope that you'll spend time diving into the words on these pages. Um, when I say anxiety is rooted in insecurity, what I am not saying is that anxiety is rooted in a lack of confidence because that doesn't mean the same thing. I shared in the introduction that several of my friends battled anxiety. For these same friends, I would say that they are high-performing, high-achieving women that are scared of very little in life. Very, very little circumstances would bother them. Uh, few people would intimidate them, or at least they would come across that way. So when my super hyper-confident friends began battling anxiety, that was troublesome for me because it didn't make sense in my mind. And, and so I, when I'm saying that anxiety is rooted in insecurity, I want you to think down to that root. And I want you to think about how insecurity could actually be um, versus just thinking of that in terms of, of 
of confidence or lack of confidence. It could be insecurity in relationships with people, like the security of their presence there or not there. Insecurity in terms of your relationship with God, his dependability, his lack of, of dependability. But often, I think that we will find as we reflect on our lives that those roots of anxiety, they're kind of planted down in in and a place of insecurity. And so if you'll just bear with me as we continue in that framework, we'll dive deeper into that throughout the sessions. The third point I want to make about what anxiety is. So I've said anxiety is a fruit. Anxiety is often rooted in insecurity. Anxiety is a desire of your flesh. What I'm not saying there is that you want to have anxiety because I know you don't want to have anxiety but what is true for us is that when we are born, we are born with a flesh ever since Eden, which we're going to talk about in chapter 2 or session 2. And it says that the Lord actually speaks this directly, and he speaks it after the, this murder situation between Cain and Abel. And he said, you know what? Sin, the devil, evil, they are standing at, at the door, and their, way, their desire is to, to rule over you. And so um, we have this picture of this door with evil and sin that wants to rule over us all the time. That is our flesh. Alternately, Jesus reveals himself to us as the door. And then in Revelation says that he stands at the door, knocks, wants to come and make his home with us. And when we allow for that, that would be a good example of of our spirit. So we have these two nature. We have we have these two natures, this flesh nature and in the spirit nature. And um, life in the spirit produces peace. Life that is trapped in the flesh, it produces a consequence of uh, and plethora of other fruits. So unless we are yielding to the spirit, unless we are yielding to the knock of Jesus, and I'm not just talking about in terms of a one-time salvation. I'm talking about on the daily, on the daily, in relationships, in in lifestyles, where Jesus is knocking and saying, "Let me come in and have my fellowship with you in this place." If we are not opening that door, if we are not um, allowing expression in from the spirit life through that door, then we are being ruled by our flesh, and our flesh, if left unchecked, its desire is always going to produce things in us that are contrary to life, that look a lot more like death, that feel a lot more like death. And for some of you, that may be um, the feeling of anxiety in your life. So again, when I say anxiety is a desire of your flesh, I don't mean that you personally want anxiety. I mean that without the spirit life at work inside of you, your body, um, your soul, your mind, it's going to go to things of the flesh. And one of those is anxiety and fear and worry. So if you'll hop to the next page, I told you three things about what anxiety is. Now I want to tell you three things about what anxiety is not as we lay a bedrock for moving forward. Anxiety is not new. Uh, I think that's important to note. Um, I mentioned that around 2016, 2017 is when we began to see this 
harvest of anxiety. But again, if we're thinking about anxiety as a, a fruit, as a crop, as a harvest, then we have to acknowledge something was planted long ago. So even thousands of years ago, when the Bible was written, anxiety was talked about. Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it. Um, Gideon uh, deals with battles with anxiety. It's not even specific to, to pre-Christ, post-Christ. Anxiety has been a lingering issue ever since Eve had an encounter um, with the serpent in the garden. So we live in a time that it's seems more common, and that's not news to us because actually um, the book of, of Luke tells us that, that when we are in the last days, and anything after Christ, of course, is the last days because now we're, we're waiting um, for his, his return um, and, and to reign with him here, but as we're in these last days, we know that fear and dread will come upon on the earth, and so it's no surprise that we see a rampant harvest of anxiety, but that doesn't mean that it's new. So one more thing that anxiety is not. Anxiety is not random. And again, this complements the concept that anxiety is a fruit. Anxiety may manifest randomly. Anxiety may manifest in um, situations that feel random to you. But again, if you are able to know what the root is that is causing a manifestation, then it, it, it's not random. And here's an example that, that I would use. I have a precious friend. She's an amazing woman, amazing woman of God, amazing uh, mom, former business owner, just the kind of person that any of us would be blessed to call a friend. And um, a few years ago, she was almost in a car accident, almost in a car accident, not in a car accident. And shortly after that happened, she began becoming ill every time she would go to drive. She couldn't do it. She replayed in her mind what had almost happened in that incident to the extent that it became a really traumatic experience in her life. She rewired her brain to experience a trauma in a situation that had, for the most part, been avoided. And so for her, if she just looked at her circumstances without giving introspection to them, without inviting wise counsel in, it seemed pretty random to her that she just couldn't drive all of a sudden. But there were a lot of deep things, a lot of roots that were associated with what was going on in her life. And so I would encourage you, if you are in here and you find yourself saying, I've never battled anxiety a day in my life and it just showed up last week and I have no idea what's going on. It's not random. God sees you. He will give you the revelation that you need to walk through this. You're in the place that you need to be in. And so the third thing that I want to say about what anxiety is not or what anxiety does not is this. It's the anxiety does not define your future. Amen. And I, when I'm saying anxiety, we could fill in the blank and say pride, anger, lust, jealousy, greed, selfish ambition, self-righteousness, anything like that in our lives. That, do, that does not define our future when we are in Christ. God's promises define our future. So just like the story at the onset where we were circling a destination 
that we were having a hard time getting to, that blizzard was not going to decide for my mom and I where we were going that day. We knew where we were going. We may have had to have shifted routes because we couldn't land in a snowstorm, but we were defined by our destination. And you know what? Our destination is peace, yes, but peace is the person of Jesus, and he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is our destination, and he is who defines us. So when we are weak, he is strong. Where sin abounds or where weakness abounds, grace abounds much more. What was meant as harm toward you, God will bring good from it. And after you have suffered just a little while, God is faithful to restore, strengthen, confirm, and establish you. And those are only four promises from this entire book. So I want you to hold on to that as we're talking about anxiety. Just remembering this does not define you. This will not define you. This is not your destination. As I close out my part of the chapter before my mom comes up and and talks you through some personal questions, I want to to point your attention to a story in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah. And in the story, God's people, these same beloved people that went into the promised land that we talked about earlier, they had um, actually been carried at this time out of the promised land. They'd been taken captive uh, by a neighboring nation into exile. I feel like that happens to us so often. Things are going great, and then we find ourselves in exile under the influence, under the reign, under the leadership of someone in some place that we never intended to be. So this went on for a number of years where God's people were, were in, in this place called Babylon and in Assyria. And what God does is that he begins to stir the hearts and the spirits of some of these people in exile. And he, he tells them in their hearts, it's time, and he tells them through the prophets and, and through the word, it's time to come back. It's time to come back and to go back to that promised land, the same one we talked about in Joshua 6. It's time for you to go back and be an inhabitant in what I made available for you. And so God goes through great lengths, changing hearts of kings and leaders and pagans so that his people can come back, not just into the place of his promise, but into his presence um, in worshiping him as they they rebuilt or worked on a, a temple in that area. Of course, um, we don't worship in that way now. Our bodies are our temples. So as we think about this Old Testament story, talking about God's people of promise who got carried off to a foreign land, that then God is stirring them to say, come back, come back to promise, come back to my presence. We have to think of our bodies as temples and thinking about what are those things, those, uh, the flesh knocking on the door of our heart wanting to rule over us, and maybe it has for a season of time. What are those things that have taken us into exile? And can you hear, can you hear the voice of the Lord turn inside of you saying, come back. It's time to come back. 
So God raises up the right community to make this happen. He will do that for you too. If you don't have the support you need, in Jesus' name, you will have the support you need to get back to the place of promise. But he raises up these folks, Yeshua the high priest, Zerubbabel, he's a relative of of King David. And and he says, I'm going to use these people as my chosen instruments and they're going to do this work and and they're going to going to bring uh bring people back to me and i also want to encourage you that whenever you go on a healing journey and if you're with us you're on a healing journey we're all on a healing journey this side of heaven but when you go on a healing journey you don't go alone because when you come out of exile there are other people that will come out with you. There are other people that will be inspired by your bravery, your honesty, your courage, and your trust and your faith in the Lord. So as, this, as these gentlemen that I just named go and, and, and pursue rebuilding this temple so that they can have this intimacy and, and fellowship with the Lord, there's a mocking that comes about. While God is stirring their hearts to do that, there's an equal stirring from the adversary and from his chosen instruments saying, who are you that you think you can, can do this? And you know what the Lord says? I'm going to read it exactly because his words are far more profound than mine. In Zechariah 4, uh, verses 7 and verses 9, this is what the Lord says of those who were accusing these men, uh, uh, who were accusing them saying, you're too far gone. You'll never be able to come back. You'll never be able to bring God's people back into promise. You'll never be able to, to get a temple in order so much that God's presence would dwell there. And the Lord says, What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it. God bless it, or your translation may read, grace to it, grace to it. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will complete it. So I say that to you, I speak that to you. You are God's temple. The mountain of anxiety, it will come down because God will be faithful to complete what he has begun in you. So to any anxiety that you may even feel trying to rise up in you right now, we say, who are you, mighty mountain? And we say, grace to you, sister. Grace to you, sister. Lord, bless you. Lord, bless you. God is going to finish the work that he is beginning as you show up each session and allow him to have his way in you. So with that, I ask that you would turn um, to the area in the, in the back of the session one where it says defining anxiety in your life. And we're going to talk through some of the, the things that are specific to your life and to your heart as we go further into this material. continue on uh, we're going to look at defining anxiety in your life uh, you'll see in your workbook that'll be questions you go through but before I do that I want to first say uh, Romans 8 1 says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus and I have found that many people when they struggle with anxiety 
they uh, send, they want to condemn themselves, especially Christians. They think, I'm a Christian. I know God loves me. I shouldn't have anxiety. Well, even Christians do have anxiety. And we're going to know the truth. The truth's going to set us free. And we're going to walk in a process to help with that anxiety. And I also want to say that uh, that process looks different for different people. Uh, some of you may uh, find after going through this workshop, uh, you are completely free of anxiety. Some of you will find it is a process and it takes time. And some people who have come to our workshops have come at different places. We've had some come that have been in counseling already, um, have been inpatient or on the verge of going inpatient. We've had some come that uh, just actually come and didn't even realize they struggled much with anxiety till they came to the workshop. So, um, so there's lots of different places that you'll find people in when it comes to anxiety. Uh, one thing is for sure that a lot of people do have it. And I, I think I want us all to get to that point where we're real. We're real with ourselves. We're real with each other. And we're real with God. It'll bring a lot of freedom. I also want to uh, acknowledge that I understand that uh, anxiety is a chemical issue. It becomes a chemical imbalance eventually. And uh, sometimes people need medication. Sometimes people come to our workshop and uh, they're on medication. So there is no condemnation there with medication because some people need that. It's a physical ailment. They need it to get stabilized until they get their thought processes uh, straightened out and start that process of healing. And hopefully they'll be medication free someday. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, I saw a statement that I liked recently or heard, and it is reveal to heal. And I think that's a big part of this is uh, we need to reveal stuff to get healing. Because for whatever reason, we bury stuff. And I think it has to do with that having a hard time being real. And sometimes just things happen to us that we really don't even want to acknowledge or think about. So uh, as we go through these fears, I just want to bring some out that I have seen in my practice uh, that is very much a root or a cause of anxiety. One, the fear of man, and that, that would be like a need for approval. Uh, they need any, everyone to like them, and they're very bothered when people don't like them. Uh, a need for perfectionism. They feel like they must perform. And uh, this one, probably I have seen uh, the most uh, as a school counselor, uh, when students would come to me uh, with anxiety, and I would peel that back. There was such a, a drive for perfectionism. And I have found that perception is everything. It, perception, not always the truth, but it's everything. So if I have a student that perceives her mom or her dad or her guardian uh, will not love her or him if they don't prefer, uh, uh, perform perfectly, make perfect grades. And, uh, and often this perfection is something the parents have set for them. And if they're having a hard time attaining that, then they get very anxious. And we all know that none of us is perfect. All of us has fallen short of the glory of God. So none of us is perfect. So having a perfectionism 
uh, as they go leads to anxiety. It's a no-win situation. It, it leads to uh, performance. It leads, can lead to workaholism. Um, another one is a, a fear of criticism, uh, of not being enough. It's, it's a fear of failure that you don't, you don't measure up. Uh, and that, when you have that fear of criticism, it can lead to passivity, which leads to a feeling of being out of control, which leads to anxiety. Uh, another one I see is uh, the fear of the multitude. Uh, we may call that fear of the marketplace, where for whatever reason, you just fear being out in a crowd or around people. Number four, the fear of death. And uh, this, this one here is very interesting that since we have done this, we had not been through COVID. So watching COVID and the way people have behaved has been very eye-opening. Uh, and what you will see with, with fear um, drives uh, behavior in an interesting way. And so you will see with this COVID, there's a fear of death, a very unhealthy fear of death, where it literally has got some people trapped in bondage, where there, God gives us fear, it is a healthy thing, and there is a healthy fear. But you can see, or I have observed, I should say, with some people with the, the COVID virus, that the fear has literally choked life out of them. Even them just staying home away from it, it has choked life of them. And I say if we peel that back, that would be a fear of death. And number five, a fear, and the final one I'm going to talk about as far as labeling fear, is the fear of being alone. And that basically probably is a fear of abandonment. And I see this a lot uh, with women would be in a bad relationship and choose to be in a bad relationship versus being alone, which uh, is puzzling to me. But once again, it comes back to that fear. Um, shame and guilt lead to um, anxiety because we have this feeling of not being worthy and our purpose is attacked. And we're going to be talking more about that. And um, I'm going to walk through these questions, and I encourage you to listen and ask these questions to yourself. When did, ex when did anxiety show up in your life? It is a fear. What do you fear? What does anxiety look like in your life? Uh, does it come out? Do you get afraid? Do you get angry? Do you get worried? Are you burned out? Are you having uh, panic attacks? Are you in overdrive? Um, the next one is, does it impact your livelihood? Uh, does it cause you to avoid certain people, certain places? And once again, is it creating panic attacks that will cause you to avoid things? How does anxiety, anxiety impact your relationship with God? Do you feel like you need to be in control? Do you have trouble trusting God and letting him be in control? How does anxiety impact your love for yourself? Uh, how does it affect your health? How does anxiety impact your relationship with other people in your life? Do you avoid certain people? Uh, do you seek to control people? Because once again, lack of control will lead to anxiety. What other areas of your life are impacted by anxiety? Um, do you avoid places where you have felt panic before? And do you isolate? And ladies or uh, you out there that have isolated, you know, uh, the devil wants to isolate us. And I, we're, 
I just want to encourage you, and I understand that feeling of isolation, and I just encourage you and give you hope that that's going to that's gonna come to an end. And uh, what is your expectation for participating in this study? Does anyone in your family, either currently or in your upbringing, struggle with anxiety? Anxiety is generational. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of our fathers being passed at third and fourth generations. That doesn't mean uh, that they were out sinning in the sense of, uh, okay, I'm being punished because my dad was an alcoholic or he stole or he murdered. But whatever their lifestyle is, it influences us. And if they have uh, anxiety in their life, we often learn it. And uh, anytime I had someone come into my office and I was to ask them, does your mom or your dad, your caregiver, a grandparent exhibit anxiety? And almost always they do. So anxiety can be learned. It's generational, but it also can be unlearned and it can be broken. Um, Also, at the end of session one, there is a journal there and there are some questions you'll be asking yourself. When did you experience anxiety most recently? And it's important for you to start thinking about it uh, because, like I say, there have been people in our study that did not know where their anxiety come from. Did you take the time to consider what was making you anxious? If yes, please explain. Was it a situation in your control or out of your control? How did you respond when you noticed the anxiety onset? And at the very end there, we're going to have a scripture of the week. And this week, I am sharing uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And at the end, I will be praying, and I encourage you to write your prayer. And I just want to say, thank you, Lord, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and might and a sound mind. Amen. And that's going to end session one. And as we go into session two, we're going to be recalling where, where did anxiety come from. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 